Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast. Happy Thursday. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Andrew Ellis. It has been a little bit of time since we did one of these shows, um, and that is partly my fault. That is partly life circumstance taking me away from uh, work for a couple weeks, which uh, I mentioned it on previous podcasts, but I'm more of the recruiting-specific one. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been supportive and, and the kind words and all of the prayers and thoughts from my family in the last couple of weeks. It means an awful lot, and I don't want to make that sound like it's you know just me talking or make it sound cliche, but it, it really does matter, um, especially to my sister and her family. So thank you very much for that. Uh, and because of that, I am sorry, however, that we haven't been able to get one of these podcasts done in the last couple of weeks. But um, as we get now into the meat of the Ohio State football schedule, as we get into what will become a fairly busy few months for recruiting once again, um, this is the time Andrew and I are aiming for every Thursday. So some Thursdays it may be live. Sometimes like this one, it may be pre-recorded. But either way, Thursday night, I'm hoping like 6.30 at, on Thursdays every week will be live. But um, that's sort of the goal moving forward through the season as we at the podcast try to figure out the best way to make sure that people are getting all the different types of content that they want on this channel. I know everyone loves recruiting. Well, not everyone, but we do. And that's what's important because it's our show. Andrew, what's been new with you? Um, I noticed that you didn't send me any text messages during the Bengals game on Sunday um, when I was being negative, like per usual, because, well, Andrew has, what Andrew doesn't like to tell people, or maybe you actually do like to tell people this, is that because I am inundated with negativity around Ohio State football sometimes by fans and my own family and you and um, that I get my negativity out as a Bengals fan. And so I don't have like I'm I'm very, very bad as a Bengals fan. But I was like totally at peace on Sunday because it's exactly what I expected in season opener when you don't play anybody in the preseason. And if I not play anybody, I mean, you don't let any of your players play. Yeah, uh, you do tend to be the pessimistic uh, Bengals fan. Um, I'm not pessimistic. I I, I'm entirely negative. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a better way of putting it, I guess. I don't know. I kind of saw that coming Sunday. Props to the Browns. They just they match up extremely well with the Bengals. Nobody can block Miles Garrett, and it was a disaster. I'm not going to blame the rain like some Bengals fans do. I blame the Browns' defensive line, so props to them. I don't think the rain helped, but it also doesn't help that I, I don't think Joe Burrow picked up a ball in August, um, let alone – uh, did any sort of moving around in the pocket because of the injury. And I'm also not going to panic because it's the exact same thing that happened a year ago in week one when the Bengals looked wholly unprepared to play and somehow almost won that game a year ago against Pittsburgh. But uh, this time it was not to be. And no one wants to hear anything about that because that's not what this show is about. It's about Ohio State recruiting. And it's about panicking about Jeremiah Smith. Uh, but let's not panic. He was the one of the number of Ohio State commitments that returned to campus last weekend as the Buckeyes opened their home schedule with uh, Youngstown State. Andrew, as far as just the recruitment goes of Jeremiah Smith, what does it mean to you in the big picture that he picked Youngstown State game to get to Ohio State? Is it more impactful because it's just the first game of the year, or is it less impactful because of that? Like, How do you see that? I don't really think it's more or less impactful. I think it's very telling, though. You know, a kid from Florida coming up here on his own dime to watch Ohio State play Youngstown State of all opponents. So I think it was a pretty telling sign that he came up for that. I think it was good getting him back up there because he did watch Florida State um, annihilate LSU in Orlando a couple weeks ago, and he watched Keon Coleman and and those guys score a bunch of touchdowns. So I think getting him back on campus is always a good thing. I think the timing worked out well. And just the fact that he came up on his own dime for that game of all games, um, I think it's nothing but a positive sign. 
Yeah. On the flip side of that, I understand there's going to be people who who lament the fact that he's continued to visit Florida State and he's going to visit them again and he's going to go to Florida again. He'll probably visit Miami, who just picked up a big commitment from South Florida, 2025 off uh, defensive lineman Armando Blunt tonight. Um, there's going to be momentum for all those teams at certain points or, or other times. And the reality is, and Jeremiah Smith has underscored, underscored, underlined, emphasized all the proper um, synonyms for this. As long as Brian Hartline and Ryan Day are at Ohio State, he is going to be at Ohio State. So, um, like, it's weird because I think people in, in general in recruiting um, don't want to get burned. So sometimes, like, you don't want to take a recruit at their word. But he's been so emphatic and so consistent in what he said that I, I have a tough time not believing him. And then you throw on top of the fact that not only did Jeremiah Smith come up on his own dime uh, for that Youngstown State game, but he brought his mother. He brought his bro- his younger brother. Those two were not supposed to be on the trip. They decided like Thursday night or Friday that they wanted to go and spurred at the last minute to, to make sure that they were there. So um, you don't have to do that in that situation, but it's good to know that the entire family is like they want to be in Columbus. And so when they'll come back for the Penn State game, Maybe that's the last time before he signs. Maybe he'll come back for the you know, Michigan State game in November or Minnesota in November. Who knows? But uh, bottom line is that everything you see on Jeremiah Smith is manufactured in a way to create buzz and create hype and create drama. Uh, I asked different people around the Ohio State program last weekend, like, how do you feel after this trip? And they said, we feel better than ever. Jeremiah, or JJ as they call him, like is has been great. Him and his family are great. It's it's easy in this like cynical world to be on high alert, but like, I just don't feel it. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, we've, we've talked about for a while. It was Georgia for a while. It was Florida and Miami. And now it's mostly Florida state as who's going to finish second and who's going to maybe finish first. If there's some crazy, you know, coaching change at Ohio state, which nobody thinks is going to happen. Um, But I don't know. I just, I think bottom line is for the next three months until that early signing period, we're going to see him tweeting about, Florida State receivers catching touchdown passes, maybe some Miami guys catching touchdown passes, just what he does. He's a kid who likes football. Um, He's obviously close to some of those in-state programs, but as you've said, it, there's really not a lot of panic here, at least at least on my end. So, yeah. And he's also extremely close to a lot of the players down in that area who are committed to Miami or committed to Florida State. And so when those guys send him a tweet, say, oh, JJ, what are you thinking? Like, he just responds because they're his friends. And I don't think, I don't think it would be – um, expected for him to be like, hey, screw you, stop messaging me, pal. Right. I don't want to hear about your prev- your college preference for me. Like that, it'd be weird, you know. Like it's it's annoying. And I I I've said from the minute he committed back in April or June or whatever or May or I don't even March. When was it? December, January? Who the hell knows? Yeah. Like we knew it was going to be a a constant thing here, and you know the. There was a suggestion on the OhioState.Rivals.com message board about a T-shirt to sell um, after he signs, and I really do think we should do that, and we'll talk more about that as it comes along. I'm not going to give away the idea here. Anyone who's on the message board saw it, so we'll just leave it at that, Um, but it's a good idea. Um, He, as I said, was one of the number of commitments in town. Tavian St. Clair came to visit. Uh, Sam Williams-Dixon was there. Um, You had uh, both uh, players from... The 2025 class with, with Tavian, who's who's there, going to be there all the time. Of course, you had Aaron Scott there, you had Bryce West there. You had a, a fairly good contingent of local kids making the trip, um, and that's what the Youngstown State game is. It's about just reconnecting. 
it's not going to be a big recruiting weekend. Ohio State's not doing like huge recruiting weekends until um, probably that Penn State game that I mentioned. But it is important to note that Nicholas Rodriguez, the three-star composite linebacker, four-star and rivals linebacker who's committed to Missouri, did make the trip with Jeremiah Smith last weekend as part of you know some of the South Florida Express guys. And um, it seems, Andrew, like that's one that is worth paying attention to again and it's unfortunate because had Ohio State just went all in on Nicholas Rodriguez after his official visit in June, you wouldn't have to be trying to flip the kid. But this is now the world you live in. And like you have a, a pecking list and Kingston Viamuasa was at the top and Edwin Spillman was right there with Viamuasa. Both those guys end up elsewhere at Notre Dame and Tennessee, respectively. And so now Ohio State goes back to the drawing board and it circles back to Nicholas Rodriguez, who uh, the, the words I keep hearing from people around him are football player, tough. Like he, he's he's not he doesn't look like a prototypical Ohio State linebacker, but I think if you were able to combine him with Peyton Pierce and Garrett Stover, you have three just like gamers at linebacker, and and I think that's the kind of player you need those those like gritty tough guys who are are going to be able to get in there and and make things dirty. Yeah, I'm with you on that. He's I mean he's just a football player. He's not some six three you know physically imposing figure, but it, it seems like they want three linebackers. It seemed that way for a while. Um, obviously, losing Kingston Biamuasa to, to Notre Dame was a blow, and then Spillman to Tennessee. So if you want a third guy, um, I think if Ohio State pushes for this guy, then it's going to be hard for Missouri to uh, keep him in the class. That's just my that's just my hunch. Yeah, and I thought maybe that the Buckeyes would couch the idea of adding a third prep in, prep linebacker in this class when they sign Nigel Glover out of the transfer portal from Northwestern. But as you look at the the roster and the line the lineup at linebacker, like they are one or two transfers away from being precariously thin at that spot. When you figure that you're going to lose Tommy Eichenberg, you're going to lose Steel Chambers, you're going to lose Cody Simon after this year. If if um, CJ Hicks is as good as he eventually can be, then there's a very real possibility you only have him for one more year after this because that's a three and done. Um, and if you're thinking about moving Sonny Styles down to linebacker, like then he's likely one more and done. So I think there is actually a, an argument to be made, especially now that Arvell Reese could be playing this linebacker slash defensive end spot. Like I, I think you need a third one. And maybe from a star ranking or, or national ranking perspective, Rodriguez isn't what you think Ohio State would be going after. But again, plays at St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Florida, plays against the best competition in the country. He's about 6'1", 210 pounds. He's so, as you mentioned, like I don't know that he's like your your prototypical Mike or anything like that, but in the Ohio State defense where you want versatile dudes, like he's the type of player that fits. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's it's kind of funny because we've been talking for so long or the fan base has been talking for so long about, you know, how the heck are they going to get C.J. Hicks on the field? But you're exactly right. If they lose, you know, the two starters right now and maybe one or two other guys to the portal or something or whatever, who knows? But they are kind of close to being thinned out at the position all the while we're sitting here kind of clamoring for for more and more C.J. Hicks. So it's kind of an interesting spot, um, but I'm with you. I, I feel like that's a guy they could push for. And uh, as of right now, my hunch would be he might find his way into the class. But, you know, yeah. we'll see. Without a major step up from Gabe Powers and Reed Carrico, it feels like that position is pretty pretty thin. So you, you're going to need to find a way to restock in this class. And um, again, Rodriguez, they hosted him for an official visit in June. He loved it. I think that it had Ohio State, as I said, gone all in at the time that maybe he would have been committed before um, now. Uh, he committed to Missouri in early July. And um, not it's not to be disparaging to any other program, but like I don't envision a scenario where 
South Florida linebacker grew up going, man, I really want to play in Columbia, Missouri, you know? Like, it's not one of those programs where you watch it and you're like, oh, I love Missouri. I must play for the zoo. That's the way I the feel. Zoo. The zoo. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I just, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how hard they push or if they decide to pursue something in the portal. I mean, who knows? We got time to see how this one plays out, but yeah. Plenty of time. Andrew, did you notice my new wall covering? I did, and it's pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Much better than my uh, white curtains that I've been sitting in front of every time we've done this. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to to Mayor Acoustics in Columbus. They were reached out to me on Facebook. I'm like, hey, by the way, we're we're making these, and we would love for you to have one. And so I really do appreciate it. If anyone wants their own, I think you just reach out to Mayor M A Y E R Acoustics in Columbus, and they can hook you up. Um, it's pretty cool. It's it's a real good quality like foam. I couldn't stick anything to it. I had to nail that sucker into the wall. But it's cool. It's it's good quality. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know what else is good quality? When your top target at a position is coming to visit. And while the tight end position at Ohio State may not always be the sexiest position in the world, um, Keenan Bailey's trying to make it sexy. He's trying to bring sexy back, Andrew. And you know how you bring sexy back? Uh, you get guys on campus, maybe? For, get for a guys game? on campus. That's right. There you you go. bring back your top target at the position. Yeah. That is Nate Roberts uh, from Washington, Oklahoma, which is confusing to say. You know, I don't think that I, I personally don't believe, and I'm going to just take a stand on this because you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. I don't think that cities should be allowed to be named after states because it's very confusing when you say someone's from Washington, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I've really never thought about it, but it does get kind of confusing. So. I'd never thought about it either because I can't think of many other examples where it's a where it's a case. I don't often you don't hear like, hey, I'm from Minnesota, Wyoming. You know what I mean? Like it's it's weird because Washington, obviously, is, you know, I guess there was a former president or something named that. So like it's maybe a, a name that gets more attention. But Washington, Oklahoma is kind of confusing. What's not confusing is Nate Roberts place on the Ohio State recruiting board at tight end in the class of 2025 because he is number one, numero uno. Um, and the Buckeyes were, how do you say it in Spanish, freaking bummed when he committed to Notre Dame in June. And then they were, how do you say it in French, freaking excited when he decided to reopen his recruitment in August. And now Ohio State, Oklahoma seem to be the, the teams that are really to, to watch there. Nate Roberts has family in Ohio. His, his family's from like Wheeling, West Virginia. And then they all, a lot of them live in the Pickerington area. His father's from Norman, Oklahoma, his mother's side is all from Ohio. So there's family ties at each spot. Um, but this is a huge weekend. He arrives on Friday morning. He will spend the entire weekend in town. He'll get a chance to do an extended tour on, on Friday, which means this visit will be longer than any visit he's made to Ohio State because this one trip in June was like a six-hour window. Um, and it's a big weekend for Keenan Bailey. Like I, I, Keenan Bailey is a guy who I think can be an elite recruiter for Ohio State. And if he wants to prove that, this is how you do it. In the class of 2025, after signing, but probably two tight ends in the class of 2024 with Max LeBlanc and Marion Witten, you go out there and you get, in your opinion, the best tight end in the country. And then you couple him with someone like Luca Gilbert um, you know, or kid uh, Amari Winston down in Georgia. And you go out and get back-to-back two-man classes that are really high-caliber kids. That's how Keenan Bailey will elevate himself to, into that conversation of one of the best – position recruiters in the country at that spot 
And I feel pretty good about where Ohio State is in this battle, but Oklahoma is going to be a, cha- a, a tough one to, to overcome. Yeah, when when he backed off his Notre Dame pledge, um, you know me, the pessimist. I just thought he was going to like commit to to Oklahoma right away. So it is interesting that he's getting back on campus this week. So, I mean, you got to shoot your shot. That's all you. Uh, that's all Keenan Bailey can really do. Yeah, I guess the nice thing is that in the era of the telephone, like you can talk to a kid from Ohio as much as you can from 20 minutes away in Norman. Now, obviously, he'll get a chance to visit Norman whenever he wants, and that 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 matters. But the fact that he has so many family ties to Ohio, it's, there's a lot of Buckeye fans in his family, so it means something for him to come back to Columbus and and to visit. Um, I know that Tavian St. Clair will be all over him this weekend. Uh, Tavian joked that he was going to try to see if he could get him a waiver to play for his high school on Friday night. Um, but that's not going to happen, obviously, because OSHA won't allow it. But they don't ever let anyone do anything fun in OSHA. Um, Andrew, like when you look at the tight end position, it is interesting at Ohio State because it does seem like the Ryan Day offense at its best wants to use the tight end a lot more than we've seen the Buckeyes use it in the past. Uh, Obviously, Cade Stover is in a position to be an NFL draft pick a year from now. G. Scott playing great. A lot of conversation about Joe Royer and his upside. Bennett Christian suspended for this season. Who knows what that means long-term for his Ohio State career. Sam Hart has not been able to get on the field at Ohio State. Don't seem, doesn't seem like there's a real path to that down the road. So like these incoming tight ends and then the class of 2025 are going to be pretty important for Ryan Day uh, to, to find a way to supplement that offense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I mean, you bring in the, the, freakish Jelani Thurman for the for the 23 class and now you got two guys lined up for 24 and if you can turn around and uh, get Nate Roberts in 2025 then you're sitting really pretty at the position maybe as pretty as they've ever been at the position so yeah Roberts is I think the number two ranked tight end in the country according to the composites six foot five 230 pounds he's your prototype at the spot and a big kid who can block he can run he can catch Uh, We'll have more from him. He's going to be on Bermanology on Friday morning to preview his visit for Ohio State. So you get a chance to get to know a little bit more about Nate there, but I think it's important just to talk about him. And then we'll briefly talk about some of the other guys that are coming to town. I don't expect that it's going to be a huge recruiting weekend for Ohio State. Again, more of the the local kids, the commits. Um, I I do know that there's still some debate about Elijah Melendez, who's a four-star linebacker in the class of 2025 from Florida. Um, he was supposed to find out on Wednesday night if he was going to be able to get plane tickets. I haven't heard if that's official or not. I did right before we started um, recording this episode, got a call or a text back from Carter Lowe, the obvious uh, high priority offensive lineman from Toledo Whitmer. He will be at Ohio State on Saturday. So that's a big boost for the Buckeyes to make sure that he's there um, for Justin Fry's group. But overall, Buckeyes are trying to go a little bit slower here and, and really ramp up towards the big recruiting weekend for Penn State. Albert Hill, class of 2026 from uh, Akron uh, Hoban. He will be on campus along with Sam Greer, the other 2026 offensive lineman from Hoban. Both of those guys have an offer from Ohio State already. So it's going to be a, a younger group, but the, the highlights for the weekend will be Roberts and Carter Lowe, and then the Buckeyes will do their best to put themselves in a position to win those fights. And, and I think it's weird because you don't like – especially with a guy like Roberts, because he committed early and he decommitted already, you expect that his recruitment may not be like expedited from here, but you're only going to get a limited number of real in-person swings with him. So like, this is a opportunity for Ohio State to go, I mean, all the way to make sure that they show this kid like, hey, you are super important. 
yeah, I mean, you have to rule out the red carpet for a kid who's going to go to Norman. I mean, God knows how many times he's at Oklahoma over the next or at, on Oklahoma's campus over the next year or so. So, yeah, you got to shoot your shot this weekend and make the most of it, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun, fun weekend. So uh, if you if you see the Ohio State tight end being featured a little bit more on Saturday, that might be why. Um, but uh, let's move on to the bad news. The bad news. We're trying to to make this show like 40 minutes or so, folks. So if, if it feels like we're zooming right along, that's why. Because sometimes we ramble and we end up talking for an hour. And while you guys may not have a problem with that, Andrew's trying to watch football tonight because the the birds are on and he's got a lot of money on the line. Yeah, go birds. Um, shout out Bill Landis. Um, September 24th, uh, Brandon Baker will make his college football decision. That is is something that is unfortunately looking at this point like it's going to be a commitment to the University of Texas over Ohio State. Now, that is 10 days away. There are a number of things that could change before then. Um, But Ohio State has done everything in its power to put themselves in the position to win this fight. Uh, Two great visits, one back in March, one in June, the official visit, which Baker has called the best visit he took. Uh, Ohio State had Paris Johnson drafted number six in the NFL draft. Dewan Jones now will be the starting right tackle for the Cleveland Browns as a as a rookie. Um, there's a lot of positive things around the Ohio State offensive line effort, um, but as we've been saying all along, and this is why this is why it's bad news because I know the reaction from people is I thought Ohio State had this stuff sorted out, but NIL is still being a problem. Because there are some programs in the country that not, I'm not going to say they're better at NIL. Okay. Let's be very clear about that. They just have a lot more money. And I don't know exactly where it all comes from, and neither does anyone else. And that's unfortunately the problem with this new world of uh, college football recruiting that we've decided to embrace. But in the oil fields of Texas, my friend, there are, there's gold in them, dar hills. You know what I mean? And some of that gold is being dispersed uh, quite liberally to young football players around the country. So Andrew, how does that make you feel? This is kind of an annoying recruitment because it seemed like it was Ohio state or Oregon. And then, you know, Texas kind of, I don't want to say they swooped in because they've always kind of been involved, but Texas has done extremely well recruiting offensive linemen over the last couple cycles, like rivaling. I mean, I don't have their list in front of me, but some of their classes have been phenomenal rivaling that rivaling that of Alabama even. So I really thought like maybe this is one of those situations where the depth chart works out in Ohio State's favor. I know they've got four offensive linemen in the class already, all of which are very talented players. But if they could just get that game changer, high four-star, five-star type of tackle in the class, it would have just been the cherry on top of the of the offensive line class. So this kind of sucks. And there's not a lot of other guys out there. So now, and it's weird because uh, you know what you what you just said is true. They need another high level prospect at tackle because they do have one in Ian Moore, who is a very highly ranked offensive tackle. But there is an understanding, I think, out there that if you compare Ian Moore to Brandon Baker, Baker is a more ready to go player right now than Moore is. And so, while they may be similarly ranked across different recruiting services, there is an understanding or a belief that Brandon Baker will be able to play earlier in his career and be impactful. Um, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with what I've seen out of Deontay Armstrong and, and 
when when we watched him on film when I got to see him against good counsel a couple weeks ago in person. I think he can be a really good offensive tackle down the road. And I think Ohio State does have two high-level prospects at that position. But as you mentioned, there is a difference, I think, with Baker. Um, and I don't like to always say, well, it's all about NIL, because it's not all about NIL, but it's a lot about NIL. And I think you can't go into this discussion. Like this was, if you go back to every talking stuff we've done in the last six months, every time Brandon Baker's name was brought up, this was going to be a part of the discussion. Um, and the funny thing I think about NIL is that there are a lot of teams offering a lot of promises out there. And I don't think most of those programs have like a, box of money just sitting in the coach's office. You know what I mean? Like the coffers are not sitting there completely full. It is a lot of prospecting and a lot of projecting and saying, okay, you need this amount. We'll get it for you. We don't know how we're going to get it, but we'll get it. No big deal. But ultimately the only thing that really matters in the NIL delivery front is that first year, right? Because beyond that, everything changes. Kids transfer, you know, there's all these other things that go on. Um, but with this recruitment, we knew it was going to be about NIL. We talked about it when KJ Bolden ended up committing to Florida State. We talked about it when Dylan Stewart committed to South Carolina. Like you'd think that Ohio State would be able to just poof David Copperfield, shout out Slags, like um, change the the direction of where you have monies allocated for in this. But they, it's not like they're just sitting there on a pile of money. You know what I mean? Like so, it, it's weird. Uh, I don't, it doesn't feel good to talk about it this way. Cause I know it seems like it's excuse making, but I don't know what else Justin Fry and Mike Seleni could do in this situation. Like you've done everything right. You've done everything you can do to show, Hey, we have a need at this position. We're producing NFL talent. We're doing this, we're doing that. But even on the most basic level, Texas has a, a, an NIL program for all of their offensive linemen. Every offensive lineman on their team is getting $50,000 a year from a local business. So like, that throw that on top. I mean, that I don't know how much Ohio State can just promise, but Texas has a local business giving four, you know, four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to offensive linemen. Like someone in Ohio needs to step up. Like that is the bottom line. If if people don't want Ohio State to be suffering in the NIL space, step up. Like that's the way it's going to have to be. Like, and I I know Buckeyes fans hate it because you read. Oh, I'm not giving my money to the school. I'm not doing like then then expect to lose these recruitments because that is going to happen. Yeah. And and it's also it's also kind of frustrating because of what we just saw in the NFL draft with Paris Johnson going as high as he did. You know, I think even years back we saw, you know, Nick Petit Frere in Ohio State come to Ohio State. And we said, you know, if this guy gets it all together and goes in the first round, is this going to help change the fortunes when it comes to offensive tackle recruiting? And we're still kind of here where we're at, where we've been at. I don't want people to think that I'm saying that Justin Fry has a uh, coach stud fever or, something, or anything like that, because I like the guys that he has committed. I think the offensive line play has been good. You know, they got some work to do in 2023, but I don't know. It seems like NIL has helped Ohio state in some regards, like the Justin Scott recruitment. Now, granted that was kind of a Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio state battle. Um, these real big national battles are, uh, they're just a different animal. So yeah, that's exactly, but that's the point. Even a guy like Justin Scott, who we could acknowledge Ohio state's NIL situation is ahead of where Michigan and Notre Dame is, but they're still behind Miami. They're behind Florida state. They're behind Georgia. They're behind Texas. They're behind USC. 
they're behind Oregon. Like these are how at, you you can see all the results on the field for the last hundred years, and all these programs at Ohio State is better than. But right now, they just cannot. You're going to lose out on recruits to these teams over and over and over, and it's it's madness because again, there's nothing that the the coaches can do different. So the it, it requires a, an entire organizational effort to either a collect piles and piles of money or b for the administration to just look the other way when the money is being given from places that are not necessarily sanctioned. And so how do you, I don't know. It's I, again, I, this is one of the reasons why sometimes I get frustrated even doing this show, because I know it inevitably comes back to this conversation and I don't want to continue to beat this dead horse, but it, it feels like something that has to be mentioned over and over again. And it shouldn't be, but what else do you do? I mean, how do you fix it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if 1870 needs to find local businesses that are willing to do what the the folks down in Austin around the Austin area are doing. I, I don't know. I, I really am kind of at a loss for this because like you see other positions like wide receiver, you know, every school in Florida, some of which are doing very well on the NIL front is trying to flip Jeremiah Smith. We don't think that's going to happen. Ohio State's draft history at the position obviously is helping is helping there. And just the fact that Brian Hartline's elite at what he does. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what to, I don't know what can be done to make this better, but it needs to get better. Well, I mean, again, if if you have the desire to help the Ohio State recruiting efforts, which now you're actually able to do so, donate money, uh, donate money to the 1870 Society. That's where you're going to get return from a institutional point of view. If you feel uncomfortable giving money to someplace like the 1870 Society or cohesion or the foundation i mean it seemed like in the last week just apropos of nothing it seemed like ohio state went a step further in endorsing the 1870 society as sort of their official nil um platform that they'd like to see people using um so if you're someone who donates to the foundation or to the cohesion you might want to consider reallocating that if you're interested in ohio state football recruiting but even so again the individual donation is not going to make a big deal or make a big difference what's going to make a big difference are the mega brands around ohio um getting involved which is to say you know the victoria secret people or um kroger or like these companies have to get involved and if they don't when it comes to these big time national recruitments for kids against the NIL powerhouses. And we now live in that world where you're not even talking, we're not even talking about Bama as much because Bama is, is playing similar to Ohio state in this respect. Um, like Jordan Seaton, prime example, offensive lineman visiting Colorado this weekend. I can't imagine Colorado has a bunch of money sitting around, but I know they've got a bunch of energy right now. And Deion Sanders is probably telling kids you figure out, you get here, we'll get you a way to, we'll figure out a way to make this happen. And the more and more that kids buy it, the easier it is to then make it happen. So um, there, there's got to be some way. If you if you're a person who prefers to like directly contribute to a player itself, which you can do through like an app like Five Star Fans, for example, which is a Columbus based product. I mean, I've I've talked about it a little bit on on social media, but like you can actually donate directly to players and help them get an idea of which fan base really likes them more. And so it, it's weird, but it's true. Like I, I don't know. I don't know, like you can donate 
likes, which are essentially dollars to those players. And then those players get the dollars when, when they make a college football decision. So like, it's just a weird new world, Andrew. And I, I feel like apps like five star fans maybe feel more comfortable for people because then you don't have to donate directly to the school, which you feel mad about because the school has $700 billion in TV deals. And then they're not, you know, actually giving it to anybody. And I mean, kudos to Jim Harbaugh in the last week and a half for mentioning the revenue sharing and that sort of stuff. Cause that's where it's going to have to go. If the big 10 doesn't want to run out of talented players, because that's where it feels like it's heading. It, it feels like there needs to be a way to like allocate this money, your donations towards offensive tackles, towards safeties, towards defensive ends, at least for this class. But yeah. the, 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 the millionaires who have the funds to throw into the program like that don't know <laughs> anything you know they don't know oh this is the area they're struggling in for the 2024 class so i don't know yeah you almost need like an individual position endowment every single cycle right like i mean that's why initially there was at least a, a conversation or an ask from ohio state with their former players like you have players in the nfl making you know more money than anyone's ever made before if if each of those if there's the nick bosa ohio state defensive line fund for example, or co collection, connection, co whatever it's called. What are those called? Collectives. Um, then, you know, you could have every NFL player give a little bit of money. Like that would that would change things. But like there there is no there is no like plan right now. It's just we Ohio State saying money, please, and uh, it doesn't seem like a lot of the businesses around Ohio are as eager to get involved as that as they should be, but yet those, everyone's going to still want, you know, their name on this, on the stadium or to have uh sweet tickets for the, for games. Like, but you gotta, I mean, it's stupid because again, the team who makes billions of dollars, uh, the school does. And you figure that they, the school shouldn't, people who are donating to the school shouldn't have to give any more, but like, this is your chance now to decide where that money goes. I don't know. That's a stupid rant. Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, look for ways. I mean, that's the bottom line. If it's if it's eighteen seventy, do it. If you want to give to players directly, like I said, there there's ways to do that now, like with five star fans and stuff like that. So, um, five star fans again, I, I bring it up like it's Columbus based. It's not an Ohio State thing, but there is certainly an Ohio State flavor to it, and and a lot of the interest starts from Ohio State. It's founded by like two two former Ohio State cheerleaders, so they know the space. They know what Columbus is all about. So, and you know. Help if you want to help. That's what I'm saying. Just help if you want to help. You don't have to help, but if you want to help, help. Andrew, four-minute offense. Uh, this is where you get to just barrage me with things that you're thinking about and wondering about and wanting to to try to get some insight into, and that's what I'm here for. So um, what's on your mind? Oh, well, I was going to ask you some NIL stuff, but we just kind of touched on that with five-star fans and just some of the other things that are out there that the, uh, the lay person may not know about. Um, I think just big picture wise with this class, the number of realistic guys that are out there are it's shrinking. And I know there's not a ton of spots left, but you know, I just mentioned it earlier, but safety defensive end and offensive tackle are just really what's left. As far as I can tell, maybe linebacker with a guy like Nick Rodriguez. I know we touched on him, but is there anybody out there? We talked about Nichols in Cincinnati. Who's going to committed to Kentucky who who's now playing safety. Correct. Yeah. 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 I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like any names that are out there that we could, they could even go after. Cause they have to, I mean, that's what they need. 
And there's yeah, I mean, guys safety, safety. I know Ohio State is at least paying close attention to what Reggie Powers is doing down at Centerville. Um, you know, they did offer him back in in March, and maybe it was a little bit premature, but uh, they want to see him play the deep safety role, and, and he's playing all over this place for for Centerville this year. Um, Bronte Johnson, the the safety prospect who's committed to Notre Dame. Buckeyes have been in contact. We talked about that on the last show. Uh, they have been in contact and they are watching. And but who knows what type of response you get? He's committed to Notre Dame. It's not like he's committed to Indiana or Purdue or somewhere like that where you'd feel a little bit better about a potential flip. Um, and then they're just watching film and, and trying to evaluate. Now, Nicholas Rodriguez is the guy at linebacker. If they're going to get another one right now, that's who it would be. Um, Defensive end. There's still obviously conversation around Booker Pickett. We got a lot of he got a lot of predictions and future future casts and all that stuff to Miami after his visit to Coral Gables last weekend. Um, Miami, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, how many guys like that are they taking in one class? Is is there a possibility that Elias Rudolph ends up out of that class and maybe Ohio State circles back on him, or does he does he swing back to the Michigan class? Like, there's a lot of those conversations out there. Um, Charleston Collins still down there. The Arkansas commit that Larry Johnson is still recruiting. Um, from what I understand, like his early season film hasn't been like world beater, but I think that there's been some concern there. But Ohio State is just trying to watch a couple weeks worth of film, and and then as they get to next week, especially or not next week, but two weeks from now, the after the Notre Dame game, they get a week off. I think the the real way that we're gonna know who those dudes are that are on the board that maybe we haven't been talking about is going to be where the Ohio State coaches show up that Friday night and who are they going to watch because they will have their first opportunity to get out on the road, which they've not done in these last couple weeks. So um, it, it's weird. It, it does feel like there's almost no recruits left, and that's just not the case. There, there are guys out there. Jordan Seaton, we mentioned he's going to visit for the Maryland game, official visit in, in October. His recruitment, like, again, back to NIL, if you look at the teams, it's Alabama, it's Miami, it's Oregon, it's Colorado. Like, these are teams you should not be having to recruit against if you're Ohio State. This should be an Ohio State-Alabama battle for a kid who may be the hottest offensive line prospect in the country right now because of how he's dominated in the first three weeks for IMG. But this is what we, this is the world we live in. And if you're an Ohio State fan following the Jordan Seaton recruitment, it's hard to have any optimism there, not even because of the NIL stuff, just because you're going head to head with Alabama for an offensive lineman. And we've seen, you know, how many times have we seen how that, how that tends to turn out? I know there's like a Donovan Jackson out there every now and then, but those are just, it's hard to get too uh, optimistic about that one. I think. Yeah. Your hope is that you show a picture of the Alabama offensive line a week ago and you say, Hey, this is what they're doing with their five-star offensive lineman. This is how they look. So, and, and then you point to Paris Johnson and say, this is what we did with our five-star offensive lineman. He was in the NFL in three years and is now a starting left tackle for the Cardinals. So, I mean, obviously, Bama has a lot of success to point to as well, but it's is it sustained? If you look at guys like Alex Leatherwood, et cetera, like where are they compared to like Taylor Decker or like there's a difference. And I mean, some of that is the individual player, but they're the long term success Ohio State can point to is a look, our guys have been. Maybe not as many of them, but when they get to the league, they're just as successful, if not more successful, for for just as long. So um, it's weird, but again, I keep using that word. It's weird. It, you shouldn't be having to recruit against Colorado and Oregon and Miami in these cases, but this is where we are, and, and it's not going to get any different. 
It's only going to get yeah. worse before it gets better. Yeah, I guess switching gears. Good news is all of Ohio State's wide receiver commits are absolutely showing out this season. Jeremiah McClellan looks like he's, I mean, he's been phenomenal. Jeremiah Smith just had like some ungodly performance. Uh, last thing, we talked about that Chance Robinson that's committed to Miami. Is he even still on the radar, do you think, at wide receiver? Or do you think that's Yeah, I mean, Ohio State wants four. They, they want a fourth one in this class. So um, it, it's going to be one of those situations where I think the better Miami's offense plays, the harder it gets. But they looked actually functional um, in the last couple weeks with a new offensive coordinator and, and Tyler Van Dyke throwing the ball well. So um, it's going to be harder especially the more Miami wins in the South and, and more wins they get in South Florida, the harder it is to flip a kid. But Brian Hartline's ability to win on the recruiting trail is not something I'm going to take for granted. I, I, there's been some discussion about Chance, Chance Robinson getting up to Ohio State for an official visit in October. It hasn't been finalized. It hasn't been like scheduled, so I don't want to... There's at least been discussion about it, but we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. They, they want a fourth, and I think it can be argued that they need a fourth. I know people get sick of Ohio State signing wide receivers, but you need what you need. Yeah, makes sense. Um, uh, Friday, I'm going to go to uh, Cleveland Heights. I'm going to go see Marquise Davis and Brandon Caesar. Uh, Marquise Davis, the running back slash linebacker for uh, the for Heights, and Brandon Caesar recently offered Ohio State uh, defensive end in the class of 2025. So I'm looking forward to seeing those guys play. Um, so I'll try to have something more concrete from from them next week when we do the show what else so i know people love the in and out so we'll end with that i would say just this will be quick as far as like all the remaining 2024 guys that we've talked about you know baker seaton i guess nicholas rodriguez in there too um would you say you pretty much have all of them out right now with the exception of maybe rodriguez would that be an accurate kind of assessment of where things are right now um, i have baker out i i think seaton I, I wouldn't put him in. I'm not going to say he's out. You know, is, is there a difference? I don't know. But I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been to Ohio State in a long time. He's got the official visit scheduled. Alabama is the team that has been sort of at the front of this. He just made a visit to Alabama last weekend for a huge game against Texas. Like, that atmosphere is on the top of his mind. That, that It's hard to, you know, he didn't commit. So you have to be optimistic, at least in that respect. But. We've seen how these conversations go when it when it, when it boils down to well, it's going to come down to uh, NIL most likely. Ohio State has not been winning those battles when it comes to these in the trenches type national players. So, it is hard for me to sit here and be optimistic about it. But I'm not going to rule it out. I'm just going to say right now it's not in. Uh, Rodriguez, I think ultimately will end up flipping to Ohio State, but I don't have any like concrete like reason to say it it just to me and garrett stover said this when i asked him about how how he felt things went with rodriguez last weekend it was why visit ohio state if if you're not going to flip from missouri um and it may that could happen in the middle of the night one night rodriguez does not seem like the type of kid who's very interested in self-promotion or going out there and, and making a stink about what he's thinking or doing so um i would just i'm i'm on kind of alert for that but i'm not i, I don't think that there's a a way for us to sit here and go, okay, we'll expect it by, you know, uh, October 1st or something like that. There's none of that. So it could happen whenever or it could not happen at all because, but I know Ohio State wants them to. And that's the the major, that's the first hurdle to get over when it comes to dealing with this type of player. Makes sense to me. I think that's all I got, honestly. 
Yeah. Um, again, folks, uh, thank you for watching, listening, being uh, patient as we've gone through these last couple of weeks without doing this. We will be here every Thursday moving forward throughout the season. And hopefully we can find a rhythm with that, um, doing it live every week, unlike this week where uh, we wanted to get this recorded a little bit early. So you had something to watch um, at halftime of that Eagles. Who are they playing? Uh, the Eagles are playing the Vikings. Vikings. Yes, yes, Vikings. Go Birds! Yeah, Eagles Vikings game um, halftime. So um, that's when that's when you'll see this hit your feed. Feed me. Um, if you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave comments. Hit the like button. Hit the you know sign up for notifications so that when new stuff hits on the podcast, you are getting it. Um, if you're on Apple or Spotify or any of those things, please leave us a, a review. Five-star reviews actually mean a lot to their algorithms, so we appreciate uh, you doing that. And we, again, appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening. We will see you next Thursday on Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on the podcast. See you later.